Dugouts are a fairly crucial part of most cow-calf operations in Alberta. Some producers can tap into a well and water livestock that way. But most producers are dependent on these man-made oasises in the grasslands to ensure cattle get the water they need to make the gains a producer needs them to make in order to stay in business. Building, repairing, and even expanding dugouts isn't exactly cheap though. So accessing the information and resources that are available to producers to help them plan a dugout before shovels go into the ground is a pretty sound idea. I'm Derek Leahy, and in this episode of Rural Roots to Climate Solutions, we're looking at what to consider when you're building dugouts. Welcome back to the Rural Roots to Climate Solutions podcast series, Getting Through Drought. The series looks at the best management practices cow-calf producers in Alberta can use to build up their ranch's resiliency against drought. In this episode, we're talking to Brandon Leesk, an agriculture water engineer with the government of Alberta, about the do's and don'ts when it comes to building dugouts. Before we jump into the interview with Brandon, we thought since, well, Sadly, this is the second last episode of the series, and I have to say I've really enjoyed working on this series. We thought before we wrap on the series, we could finally address a question that, well, I don't know if you've been curious about it, but I've been very curious about this during the series. What exactly is going on in the soil during a drought? To help us out, I had a quick conversation with Dr. Derek McKenzie, who runs the Soil Plant Relations Lab at the University of Alberta. The question was, yeah, so uh, what's going on in a soil during drought? And so basically, part of the soil's function is to store and retain water. And it does that in pore spaces, right? And so what makes soil different from rock? So soil, the mineral fraction of soil is just unconsolidated geologic material. But what makes them different from rocks is that they have porosity. So they have these open pore spaces, right? So that in, a, in an ideal soil, about half the volume of a soil is made up of solids, including mineral material and organic matter. And the other half of the volume is made up of pore space, which can be filled with water and air or soil gases. So as it rains, the pore space saturates and fills with water. And over time, due to gravity and the action of plants transpiring, those pore spaces begin to empty of of water. It's actually fascinating the way that soil retains water through these attractions, so these adhesion-cohesion attractions of water molecules to physical particles of soil, which are glass-like, right? So glass is hydrophilic, so water is attracted to it. And so that results in a retention of water in the soil. And and as as the amount of water decreases in the soil, it becomes harder and harder to extract that water until it reaches a threshold where the water is no longer plant available. And that's when plants start to wilt. That's called, that's a sort of a fixed point where called the wilting point. And so in a drought, when it doesn't rain enough, it doesn't recharge the soil. And so when soil's moisture goes below the wilting point, this, there's still water in the soil, but the plants are not physically capable of removing it, of exerting enough energy in the form of sort of transpirational suction to remove the water. And so it needs to be, and so that water porosity either needs to be recharged through irrigation or through rain, right? So in dryland forming in central Alberta, it's all rain recharge and sort of snow melt retention. I don't know if you have the answer for this, but what's happening with the soil microbes? 
during a drought like I, I know like when they get heated up they're kind of partying you know they're like eating a lot they're respiring they're dying there's a lot of carbon going all over the place but does the water lack of water impact any of that yeah yeah no it's a good question they basically just shut down so yeah when they have water and carbon, they're super active. Um, and it's important to remember that all of those sort of microbial transformations are happen in a, a, a soil water solution, right? So so yeah, water is the solvent of life, right? It's the, it's, it's the solvent of life. And so it's the ultimate solvent. And, and so when there isn't enough water in the soil, microorganisms just shut down, their activity shuts down. But it's interesting to note that that microbes can still access water below the wilting point, they can still carry out some of their functions, sort of um, some of their activity, you know, like mineralization of nutrients, de decomposition of, of, of carbon below the wilting point. So even though plants can't access the water, microbes can still function for a while. But there is a point when the when the soils become so dry that microbes can't access the water as well. Mm. And so in an extreme drought, everything is going to shut down. Okay. Um, just because the water is not accessible. But, and when you say shut down, is it like they're gone dormant or they actually might actually die? They, they go dormant. Yeah, they, they go dormant. So some of them probably die. Some of them go dormant. And when they wake up, the, the ones that survived the drought sort of consume the ones that didn't survive it and sort of the circle of life. <laughs> That's a beautiful thing. Okay. Now we know what's going on in the soil during a drought. Back to the subject at hand, building dugouts. Here's Brandon introducing himself. I, my name is Brandon Leith. I'm an agricultural water engineer and I'm based out of Red Deer. And do you have a personal connection to agriculture? My dad worked in ag business for forever and uh, I went through agricultural and bioresource engineering with the University of Saskatchewan. So my, my connection to agriculture is a little bit secondhand, but I'm always learning. And uh, so agriculture, water engineer, I have to say it's a new job title for me. Uh, what is it exactly? In simple terms, I help farmers with their water supplies. You know, through my career, I've sat on many committees representing both the Ministry of Agriculture uh, as well as ag producers as it relates to water. More simply, I help farmers with their water supplies. Okay. I guess that was the obvious answer. I don't know when I saw the title at the time. I was like, I wonder what that means. Uh, anyways, I, I figured out before we kind of dive into the whole like dugouts and uh, drought part of things, we could kind of just go over some like dugout basic stuff because I'm sure it'll inform the conversation later on. Fairly general question. I'm sure you could talk a lot about it, but uh, what are some of the things one should consider before they build a dugout? So the first thing to consider is how much water does a, does a client need? They, it, it's, Probably a good idea to, to have a look at sort of fact sheet farm water requirements, and it'll help you figure out how much water you need for an animal, for people, for spraying, that kind of a thing. So once you figure out how much water you need, then you consider what size it should be. And that size needs to account for uh, operation uh, and water quality as well. And we wanted to have it have at least a two to three year water supply in it to account for things like a drought. The location of the dugout needs to have enough contributing land to fill your dugout, as well as um, hold water. Uh, but location and size are both important for regulatory reasons. And so I always recommend uh, staying away from wetlands. Under the wetland policy, uh, wetlands are protected in Alberta. And that trying to disturb a wetland can be a very costly process uh, and time consuming when, when considering where to dig a dugout. As we got talking, I had to ask Brandon if there are cases where dugouts just 
don't make sense for a cow-calf operation. As most longtime listeners of our podcast know, I'm originally from Ontario, and actually, I'd never even heard of a dugout until I moved out to Alberta in 2017. Since then, I've always just kind of assumed if you've got cows, you've got dugouts. Well, there's some area of the province that have an option of a water well as as a water source that may be a more secure long-term water supply, but there are areas where the groundwater is not as plentiful and and other options are required, and that's where dugouts come in. Also, uh, anything in the South Sask River Basin has restrictions to new surface water licenses, and so runoff-filled dugouts being approved uh, are unlikely in the South Sask River Basin. So that that's everything that runs into the Bow, the Old Man, or the South Sask Rivers. You kind of brought this up at the beginning when we were talking about what you need to consider before you put in a dugout, but I'll ask a question anyways. Uh, how do you figure out how deep to make your dugouts or how many you need? Depth in a dugout is important because you need depth to maintain water quality. The shallower a dugout is, the faster it heats up and sees problems due to evaporation and, and thus water quality. So the shallower a dugout is, the faster it heats up and, and we see more algae and weed growth. But back to the size of the dugout, the, the slopes of a dugout are, are quite important, and of the steeper the better, up until the point that they slough in. And again, it, it all comes back to keeping water at depth. Depending on the, the water requirement, I'm usually recommending between 17 and 21 feet of depth in a dugout, with slopes at 1.5 to 1 uh, horizontal over vertical. I might recommend one end slope at a 4 to 1 or a 3 to 1 for a, a safety factor for both uh, both people and animals. Here's Brandon explaining how many dugouts you should or could have on your land. Uh, well, I mean, there there are some, some regulatory rules in terms of um, you're not allowed to put more than one dugout uh, on a quarter without having approval. Uh, so that's, that's one of the, the features. But really, it comes down to where do you need them? Uh, making sure that you can get enough water in a dugout making sure that um, the animals don't have to walk too, too far if, it, if it's for, for animal watering. So it, it comes down to docking densities, really. How does a producer keep dugouts clean and thriving? Brendan's first answer to that question is probably not going to come as a surprise to you. The number one thing to keep a, a dugout clean is keep the animals out. So using a combination of off-source watering systems and fencing, uh, we want to keep the animals out, but still well watered. Animals that have direct access to a dugout make, make a mess of the water quality. They really muck it up. And that leads to more algae growth, more weed growth, as well as having them just generally slough in. Direct access for animals can also lead to hoof rot, which can be a costly vet experience. And I've had clients that have lost animals through the ice in the winter, and that uh, that can be a very costly mistake that could be prevented with with a wet well and, and winter watering system with a float suspended intake. So so there are, you know, I'm always going to recommend that you keep the animals out of the dugout. I would say just generally keep an eye on them. Check them a couple of weeks before you're planning on watering animals out of them. I, I know I've received a lot of calls over the years of someone who wants to move their animals tomorrow and they've found out that their, their dugout has potentially a harmful algae growth on it. So, mm. so just simply checking on them, I would say is probably a, a starter. Slightly off topic, but just out of curiosity, are there any services that the government of Alberta provides to help with like some of the things we just went over? 
Absolutely. Under the uh, CAP Egg Partnership Water Program, dugouts are an eligible item where producers receive 25% of the cost to a maximum of $5,000. Uh, dugouts do require pre-approval uh, prior to construction under this program. So uh, producers need to talk to an agricultural water specialist such as myself prior to construction. We go over considerations with the size and location and help the client plan how to protect the dugout from direct livestock access. Following the, the CAP program is the Sustainable Canadian Egg Partnership. Uh, that's likely to roll out early next year. And I'm expecting more of the same from a water programming perspective. We also have you know, a wealth of print information regarding dug, dugouts, namely quality farm dugouts. It's a manual that goes over all the considerations from planning to operation and maintenance. Uh, it's available online or in print form. We also have a dugout volume calculator where you can play with dugout sizes. Cool. And at the end of the day, if anyone has questions about this kind of thing, uh, there's folks such as myself uh, that you can get a hold of through the Egg Info Center at 310 Farm. Brendan adds a bit of interesting information here on the dangers of having an undersized dugout when you get hit by a drought. Uh, I mean, really, it's just an exasperation of evaporation in, in a dugout. You know, for for undersized dugouts in particular, uh, we see more weed and algae growth to the point where it may be unsafe for livestock or completely unusable. That's why we need to plan for a dugout sizing that accounts for a two-year, three-year water supply. And, you know, as we see more impacts of climate change, we may need to plan for even longer-term water supplies than that. And uh, like a theme that keeps coming up again and again in this podcast, and it's probably nothing new to you at all, just that in, like in Alberta, we just always need to be preparing for a drought. So I'm just wondering if there's anything that a uh, cow-calf producer right now, okay, maybe not right now because everything's frozen, but like w- within <laughs> the next like six months can do to be like ready for the next drought in the sense is there anything they could do with their existing dugouts to prepare or or maybe they've got plans to build another dugout and a new one is there anything they could do better or differently for sure uh i mean the reality is is that dugouts do have a lifespan and so older dugouts may need to be cleaned out and at that time you may consider expansion of a dugout uh to be drought prepared and as I already said, keep the animals out of the dugout with an off-source watering system, and that will help with the lifespan of a dugout. Next, I asked Brendan if there were any stories from the drought of 2021 that have stuck with them to this day. Yeah, the, the fall of 2021 was a hard year for a lot of producers. I received a lot of calls from desperate farmers and ranchers who didn't have suitable water for their animals. Now, most of them that, that I got calls like that from probably had undersized dugouts. There were a lot of people looking to build or expand dugouts that fall to prepare for the next year. But I, I will say that I probably received fewer calls from my clients in eastern sections of the province. And I think that's because they're used to dry conditions and generally build dugouts large enough to maintain water o- over the long, longer term. So there's an area of the province where they're, they're prepared for drought. <laughs> and and right. that, that is the, the message I try to get out to people that aren't, aren't used to it. <laughs> And here are Brendan's words of advice to you if you're a cow-calf producer from Alberta or anywhere else in the prairies and you're listening to this right now and you're trying to figure out how to get through a drought. Well, I think, I think my advice is to evaluate your water supplies. Have your, dugout, have your dugouts gone dry in the last 10 years? If so, it might be time to look at other options or expanding a dugout in order to prepare for that next drought. And remember, there are rules and regulations around water supplies. So if you need help, reach out. There are programs and support to assist in planning for long-term water supplies. 
We hope you enjoyed our 11th installment of the Getting Through Drought series. We've got one more and final episode for the series coming your way soon. If you want to learn more about water management on agricultural land, we recommend downloading and listening to episodes 11, 15, 23, 40, and 53. Rural Roots to Climate Solutions is an Alberta-based initiative empowering agriculture producers and the communities they live in with climate solutions. Rural Roots runs workshops, farm field days, webinars, and the Regenerative Agriculture Lab, produces a farmer's blog, works with rural communities to develop their own renewable energy projects, and of course, we do this podcast. For more information about us and what we do, go to the website, which is www.rr2cs.ca. The rest of the amazing and talented Rural Roots to Climate Solutions team is Marie Galanka, Shiana Younger, and Kristen Mountain. The podcast is funded by a variety of Alberta-based funders, and the Getting Through Drought series is largely funded by Results-Driven Agriculture Research, or RDAR. My parts of this episode were recorded in Calgary, so that means they were recorded on Treaty 7 lands and in the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. Happy farming wherever you are in Alberta. And remember, what's good for the climate is good for the farm.